pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 289. Today I'm going to chat with Sarah Joy Albrecht from Hold My Guns, discuss Biden's new executive orders, highlight a new red dot from Vortex, and talk about Bank of America tracking your purchases. I'm your host, Ava Flanell. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ava. Thank you for having me on. Of course. All right. So before we get into it, I want to take a quick break, talk about Smith & Wesson. I did notice in the show notes, you wrote that, was it you carried the Shield Plus and you have the MP9 and the Bodyguard? Yes, actually, it's a Gen 1 Shield. Um, I've had it a long time, but I just love it. It's a nine millimeter and I really like my Filster Enigma holster. I carry that as my everyday carry and I use the um, Bodyguard as my backup gun. So if I have you know, a situation where I feel like I want to actually have two firearms on me. That's what I carry. Yeah. And, um, I love it. Something I really love about Smith and Wesson besides just the tradition of their brand and the reliability of it is I have very small hands and I really love how it feels ergonomically in my hands. And to me, when I was first starting out with carrying a pistol, because I grew up more with rifles, uh, it was one of those things where everyone's like, well, try this and try this. And um, finally, when I first uh, picked up the shield, I was like, whoa, this actually feels really good in my hand. And I felt like I was comfortable and it just stuck. So, yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I actually taught a class this past weekend and afterwards, my student, he wanted to buy a gun. And so I was, you know, just showing him a variety of guns that I would recommend for concealed carry. And mm-hmm. out of all of the micro compact guns he picked the shield plus and he was like, man, this thing just feels good. I mean, it definitely feels good. And I I would say it probably has one of the best grips out there. If you really want to feel like you have, you know, if it's not going to like, you know, fly to your hands when you're shooting it, which I think is a lot of people like, they're just like, yeah, there's not much to grip onto like compared to Mm -hmm. a lot of those other guns. And then when you shoot it, it just, I mean, it shoots really well for being a smaller gun. I wouldn't say it's micro compact, but It's definitely a compact gun. And I think because of the way that it's, you know, like you mentioned, the ergonomics of it just shoots really well. Mm -hmm. I personally, I have the Gen 1 as well as the Shield Plus, but the Gen 1, I kind of still, I don't know. I always tell people, I'm like, yeah, if you can find one, buy it because it's such a good deal. Like right now, I mean, (laughs) it wasn't at the time, but yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, so I think Mm -hmm. I actually have two Gen 1s. One I bought and I paid like full MSRP on for it because it was like right when it just came out. But then the other one I think I got for like $275. And at that time, Smith & Wesson was having a rebate, a $75 off rebate. So I essentially just paid $200 and it's an awesome gun. And the only thing that's like even compared to that in price is like a high point or a sky pistol. It's like, yeah, you point. know, it's like a no brainer, but yeah, Smith and Wesson makes awesome guns. Um, they do. I like my MP9 too. And I've shot that with, uh, at IDPA, but something I love about the MP9 and I don't, I, I saw it shot. They had like the new metal version and oh my goodness, I'm drooly over it, but it just has this feel to it. That's just so like, yes. meaty and cool. There's yes. just something about it. Exactly. But I love 
like on, on my MP9, you can actually, it comes with um, three different backstraps. So I actually have it on the very smallest one. And that was the selling point for me mm-hmm. because when I was looking for a firearm in that size for IDPA, I, because I've started out, I haven't done this in, I haven't shot IDPA in a little while, but when I started out, I only had one um, pistol and that was my shield. And, and you really can't compete as yeah. Uh there's with other people as much. I I can't believe it like looking back that I was willing to try it with yeah. the shield, but I just wanted to do it. But that was a game changer for me when I switched to the MP9. And when I was out looking for that, and actually I my I got a thousand dollars of inheritance money from my late grandmother when she passed. And she wanted me to buy a pistol because she knew I was thinking it was really sweet. But I tried them all out. And then at my local gun shop, the guy was like, I know that you really like Smith and Wessons. Try this because we can actually customize the grip for you. And it's not like we're having to do something that's like, you know, aftermarket, Mm -hmm. like it actually comes with the firearm. And that was the selling point for the MP9 for me. Yeah, absolutely. I get it. It's I do the same thing. I always have the smallest one. It just makes all the difference. It does. If you guys want to check that that out, if you guys want to check it out, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, so Sarah, before we start talking about Hold My Guns, I just want a little bit of backstory. Like, what did you do before this? Wow. Well, first of all, I... Goodness, (laughs) how long? I, I guess growing up, my dad is a Vietnam veteran. And he is a really has a like survivalist mentality. Mm-hmm. And we grew up just like playing in the woods all day and building forts and shooting and using pocket knives. And I I was homeschooled and we grew up with a very rugged and like uh re- like personal responsibility type mindset nobody's coming to save you and i really value that my dad uh, lost his job in the whole y2k thing he was part he worked for a defense contractor at the time and that really shaped my whole mindset because when you lose your house and you are struggling with unemployment for years it affects you know, as a kid looking at that, it really affects how you see the world and how you see people and how you see where you fit in. And so I've always just had this kind of like, kind of scrappy entrepreneurial type attitude. And (laughs) that's actually really helped me a lot with Hold My Guns. And because I know I'm comfortable in the trenches and I'm comfortable with sitting with people that you know, have messy things going on in our life because I humbly know what that's like. And it helps me to value that people who have messy things going on in their lives still have a lot to offer. And Mm -hmm. so that really has shaped my outlook. I'm the oldest of six kids. I got married when I was 19 uh, to my husband, Tom, and this year will be 24 years married. He was also homeschooled. So we have kind of this like really unique uh, perspective on life and the world. We have five kids together and we've raised them with a similar mindset, with a little bit more technology. My husband does information security for a living, but we definitely have that mentality of 
you know, we have to have personal responsibility. We value the constitution and we value American history and we value volunteering and helping our community. And we really emphasize things like hospitality and looking out for other people in our family culture. So, you know, I have uh, five kids ages 22 down to almost uh, 17. So a lot of kids in a short amount of time. And that's something that really shaped uh, the way that I think about people in different ages and stages of life as well. And before I founded Hold My Guns, I was a childbirth educator and doula for 11 years. And I specialized in helping clients that had experienced sexual trauma in their past, which really affects how someone thinks about their body, how they think about the whole um, pregnancy and birth process and how they think about um, patient rights and advocacy and making informed decisions and postpartum and avoiding postpartum depression. So all of these like really interesting things have just come together. And uh, I love my life. And I believe that the work that we're doing elevates hope and a message of liberty. And I have just been in awe and delighted to see how this has been a catalyst for change in our own beloved firearms community, but really even to the whole world. We're, we're bringing a message of hope and a solution that's rooted in all these things and also appreciative of all the different paths of the people that are coming alongside of us and how they have come to love this mission as well. Wow. I love it. I want to go back to something that you mentioned. So childbirth educator and then specializing in supporting clients that have experienced like past sexual trauma. That's interesting. I've never actually heard of that career. Can you just elaborate just a little bit more on that? Just more of my curiosity. Absolutely. And again, this is very relevant to what we're doing with Hold My Guns, because, you know, if you're thinking about some what's the path of someone who might be at risk for for postpartum depression right mm-hmm. and depression is a reason why people might choose to red flag someone as opposed to get them help and mm-hmm. to connect them with resources so you know i just want to remind listeners like why this is relevant to to this it's extremely relevant because mental health and medical things are weaponized to take away rights so that's why it's so important to think about these things even if like ew birth right But helping people, especially through this process, who've experienced sexual trauma or abuse, domestic abuse, things like that, um, domestic violence, there is a way that you approach that that has respect and value for the individual. And honestly, I wish a lot of other medical professionals treated people with the same dignity and respect that is expected for them to treat a patient who has been through trauma. It's very interesting and nuanced. And if you're trained in it, you know, what we do as an advocate for our birth client is we say things like, we're going to help you come up with a birth plan so that you know exactly what to expect. We have it in your birth plan that before someone examines you, they ask you, is it okay if I touch you? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that I need to know before we move forward here? Do you have any questions? Can I have your consent to do this? As opposed to a client where maybe the OBGYN didn't know that they had experienced trauma, then they're just like, all right, we're going to check you now. And my client's like looking at me like, what the hell, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, but why really a course that I took that was absolutely pivotal and 
not only changed my career, but also just helped me appreciate treating people with dignity was this course by Penny Simkin. And she founded Doulas of North America or DONA, which is a, a certifying body for uh, the, the for birth professionals. And her book, and people might benefit from reading this book, it's called When Survivors Give Birth. And it helps people to connect with their bodies and with what they actually want. It helps them identify that. It helps them to say, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. This is how I would like to be treated. Here are the things that are important to me. Here's the course of action. Something about survivors is you know, if these things are are not done in a way that is respectful, it can actually hurt bonding with their child. And think about that. You know, I think the statistics are like, I think it's like one in four women have have experienced some kind of um, like unwanted sexual advances or even assault. And so I'm not quite, I'm not in that field as much anymore. So I don't know the current statistics, but it is extremely common. And then just think about that. Like, how, if you're looking out at, you know, mothers, how many people that would affect potentially their bonding with their child, affect their motherhood, affect our next generation. So it's really important. And I hope that anyone who's in the medical or mental health field out there, just, they might read that book when survivors give birth and realize that we can apply those same techniques and we don't have to only treat people with dignity if we know that they have experienced some kind of trauma in the past. I think trauma-informed care is so important. And I love to bring that even into the firearms community because as a range safety officer, with that mindset and that experience in the birth world, I always assume that people have some kind of trauma. I mean, it's almost a self-selecting crowd in some situations because people are training because they've experienced something or they're concerned that something's going to happen because something is going on in their life. So I think trauma-informed range safety officer, trauma-informed firearms instruction really makes a difference, not just because it's a buzzword, but because it's like the right thing to do. And it's really about the individual and making sure that their experience is actually beneficial to them and meeting their needs because it is focused to that individual and not just this one size fits all situation. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, let's talk about hold my guns and what your mission, what that is. Well, generally, what is the purpose of hold my guns? Thank you. So hold my guns and by the way, you can find us at holdmyguns.org. It's something that I started because we lost an 18-year-old friend to suicide by firearm. And what we realized is that people don't have friends or family members all the time who can help store firearms for whatever reason. And that is what we do. We partner with FFLs, federal firearms licensed dealers across the United States, and we provide voluntary firearm storage during times of personal need or crisis. And personal need can mean you know, that someone is going through a residential move and they have people in their home while they're showing their home at an open house, or maybe they're being deployed. And a personal crisis might be that maybe there's someone in the home that's struggling with addiction and they can't be around firearms or someone who's going through postpartum depression. It's not always the gun owner who's in crises. And so this is an option that partners with our own community and it provides a way that not only saves lives and protects property, but also preserves rights because it is a solution that people can proactively use 
and it helps to keep them out of a situation where they might need more outside intervention. So it's a beautiful thing. And I am really grateful. We have six locations now and the stories that we hear about the impact of our work, just, they always just floor me. It's, it's a, a really cool thing. I love being part of it. And how does that work? So you call a gun store and it could be anywhere throughout the U.S., correct? You would call one of our storage locations. We vet our storage partners. They're signed on in contract with us. They follow a standard. And so we know that if someone goes to one of our storage partners, that it is for storing a completed firearm, because again, we can store non-serialized critical parts. So, you know, if someone has a privately manufactured firearm and there's a crisis going on in the home, they can bring in like a barrel or a firing pin and that doesn't require a transfer. They can also store accessories, which might include the keys to a cable lock or a safe too. So, but when it comes to a firearms transfer, we have to be especially compliant with all federal, state, and local laws. So if a person would like to bring their firearms in for whatever reason, it's no questions asked. They would call up one of our storage partners. You can find that on the locations tab at holdmyguns.org and find a map and click on the one that's closest to you. Go to that location. Uh, call them up, say, I'd like to make an appointment to bring in my firearms. And then you fill out a contract that states, this is my firearm. I'm lawfully able to possess it. Here's the terms of our storage agreement. It's There's a, a small fee for having that storage service. Again, it's no questions asked. So anybody can store for any reason. And you know, people can bring, they when they want to get their firearm back and, and bring it back into their home, they make that call. They say, I want to make an appointment to pick up my firearms and they come in. And if they are storing a firearm, then they have to go through the 4473 and background check process because it is a, a transfer. It's based on the consignment return model. So it's, they're still the owner, but they're transferring temporary possession to that, that gun shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they go through that process. If there are state laws that involve a waiting period or something like that, gun control, <laughs> uh, that does apply, but that's because, you know, they, they are operating in a regulated space. So, but again, there are options for people that just want to store their keys or store a firing pin. And we, our goal is to, to help meet the needs of our community and to support them, whatever they're going through. Nice. Okay. I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Mantis. you also have experience with, correct? I do. I have an X10 and I I primarily, because it's, I have the uh, rails on the MP9, I primarily practice with that for my dry fire. But I, I love it and I love the company too. They're great people there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is there any drill that you particularly like more than others? Not really. I, I love that I can just kind of take it everywhere with me. So um, I just, I like the ease of the setup and it's just fun. It's something that it's a great way to, you know, not only get the practice in, but also to um, hone the skills. I tend to kind of pull to the right a little bit. I've, I've had some surgery on my arm. And so like, I, I'm always just kind of conscious of that kind of a thing, mm-hmm. but I, I love the versatility of it and how small it is. And it just like fits on there and yeah, it's fun. 
<laughs> I know it definitely makes it easy to transport because it comes in like a little carrying yes. case that is like what well, you'd say maybe like three inches by three inches four at yes. most it's and, very convenient. Yeah. And so you just kind of like throw it in your bag, take it wherever you go. If you have some time to kill or if you're just kind of bored or maybe you're, you haven't made it to the range in a while. Or let's right. say you're about to take a class and you're like, you know what? Like I did this like a few weeks ago, right before I had to shoot scenarios. And I was like, I haven't been on the range in a little while. I'm going to do some dry fire drills before I go. And, you know, so it's just it's lots of, you know. It was great. Do you have any Lots favorites? On, uh, do you have any favorite drills on there? One thing that kind of caught me up a little bit was the one where you have to uh, pull a trigger like 20 times in 20 seconds. And mm-hmm. that one was kind of tough because I had to keep bracketing the slide. And then I realized I wasn't extending my arms all the way. But for I- me, I was more focused on my trigger pull and making sure that it was just nice and smooth. But I mean, maybe I could have been developing bad habits. But I guess looking back, I'm like, I need to try that again and make sure that my arms are completely extended and that I'm shooting, you know, but 20 shots in 20 seconds isn't hard. But when you rack the slide, then it's a different story. When you rack you know? the slide. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. There's some, de- there's definitely some challenging drills on there though, but I like it because it just kind of keeps you on your toes and you're not going to get bored. It's not just like you're sitting in there, you know, firing into blank space and you don't know what's going on. Exactly. If you guys want to check it out, head on over to mantisx.com. Do you typically just like call up gun stores and just ask them if they want to join forces with you? We have done that because we're kind of, well, first of all, we, our intention is to grow and we have six locations and in those states we have compliant contracts. So what we're going to be doing now, the, the first six, they actually approached us and they were willing to kind of pilot the program in their area. And we're moving out of that pilot phase and we're, you know, we're kind of, we're talking to people that approached us because they heard about us from all different channels, right? Now we're going to be a little bit more aggressive. That's not quite the right word, but like proactive in seeking out the gun shops that we actually want to work with. And what that looks like are retail locations that have good customer service. That is so important. And that have that good customer service rating that they are they have uh, staff that wants it's willing to be trained. Like we kind of have a little list of like the onboarding checklist. They need to carry general liability insurance. Uh, we've had FFLs reach out that maybe they're working out of their garage, which totally have respect for that. But you know, we want to make sure that people in a situation where they you know are storing their firearm are not just showing up at someone's house at like three in the morning because their life is messy. So we want to have some security there. The criteria for our gun shops that we're looking for, we're taking a little bit more of a proactive approach. In the past, we were working with gun shops that had reached out to us when they heard about our program. But now what we're doing is moving out of our pilot phase and we're expanding. We want to expand to five partners in each of those six states. So 30 partners in total in those existing states and then add two more states with at least two more partners by the end of this year. So 32 partners in total is our goal for 2023. And the FFLs that we want to work with now that we're again, moving out of that pilot phase and taking a more proactive approach are ones that have excellent customer service ratings that have 
a vibrant community there. We look things that we really like are when they have a classroom, when they're engaged with community activities, they're very involved there because we are setting them up as a community resource to be helping people. So we want to make sure that, that they have that strong reputation in their community already. And we also expect for them to carry general liability insurance. Hold My Guns is a nonprofit. It's a referral service. And we cannot, from an insurance underwriter's perspective, insure firearms. So all of that goes through the FFL. So to carry that general liability insurance that, you know, if, if damage were to happen, God forbid that it would be covered. Mm-hmm. And we also just, we require that they have, it, that they're they're compliant with the federal, state, and local laws. So if they have a um, an attorney, that's really helpful because we do require a legal review. So but we're working on on the on streamlining that process as we move out of a pilot phase and create more of a, a machine, if you will, to help onboard interested gun shops. So if you have a favorite gun shop out there, especially one in our six states of operation that you would like for them to join our family, please help us to get in touch with them with your recommendation. And then also if somebody who's listening, they have a store in mind, how could they get in touch with you? If you go to our website, there's uh, some forms to like onboard. I'm interested. And if you go to our social media, which is holdmyguns.org on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, if you go to our link tree in the bio, there's a quick onboard form that says I'm an interested FFL and click on that. It'll ask some questions and it connects us with Lisa Randall, who's our FFL coordinator. And she also is our Washington state storage partner. So she's a great person to ask if you have the questions of if you own an FFL and want to learn a little bit more about the nuances of how it works. Interesting. Okay, nice. One thing that comes to mind. So how do you guys go about reassuring someone that, you know, getting help, they hand over their gun, that it's not going to be something that like flags them where they get put on a list, especially with like all the red flag laws increasing. I think a lot of people as a result are really hesitant to reach out and get help. Mm -hmm. I, first of all, I love when people have a little bit of hesitancy because it means that they are critical thinkers and that they understand the gravity of their situation. And they know that we have to be very careful about who we would trust with our firearms or trust with storing, like even initiating that storage thing. Right. So I appreciate healthy skepticism and I value it. And I think that we always have to have that mindset when we're thinking about what we're doing and how it can potentially affect our rights and ability to be able to defend ourselves with a firearm in the future. So I applaud that mindset for people who are bringing their firearm to us, we, to our storage partners, they don't ask why that individual is storing a firearm. And for all we know, they're going on vacation or selling their house or something. So that information is not recorded. It looks just like any other consignment transaction in the books and, what that means is that if, and by the books, I mean a A&D logbook, which is required as an inventory book for all federal firearms licensees as part of their um, requirements for operation. And a consignment process would be like if someone were to want to sell their firearm 
and maybe it didn't sell or they changed their mind about it, they still own that firearm, but it has been transferred to the books of that FFL. And if they want to come and pick it up because it didn't sell or they changed their mind, they would come back in and the firearm would be taken out of their inventory book and written by transfer back to the owner of the firearm. So that the possession is transferred back to the owner. So using an existing process and not reinventing the wheel, it looks exactly like that on the the books that the ATF IOI would see if they were to come in. And it's very important that there's the only information that's recorded in that logbook is make model serial number and the the contact information of the owner. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm really proud of Joshua Prince. He's our legal counsel. He helped us put together the contract and he is a very well-known firearms attorney that's done work with, he's a USCCA crisis response team attorney. He's done work with Firearms Policy Coalition, Gun Owners of America, and several other organizations out there, NRA, that have are in in that in those trenches in the legal realm. And I'm we're just extremely privileged and blessed to have Josh on our team. And he's actually running for Commonwealth judge in Pennsylvania. And that just shows how much respect he has here for upholding the Constitution. I, I obviously can't endorse any candidates, but I can I can say that from a perspective of of someone who's been his client, I really value his love for the constitution. And it's just like oozing into that's quite not the right word, but like it's in the contracts and you can feel it when you read it. So yeah, we're, we value that. Very nice. I love it. Okay. So any future plans that you can share with us? We upcoming, we have, I'll be teaching QPR suicide prevention training for the second year at a girl and a gun national conference. And I love teaching that class. There are over 600 women who attend and I'm teaching six sessions again of that this year. And I really love the opportunity that we have to equip our own community to learn about suicide prevention and learn a QPR, by the way, stands for question, persuade and refer. And I love teaching this because it empowers our community, especially if we're out there on the range to be observant and observe through that lens of situational awareness that we're trained to do, but take it to a level of, am I observing behavior where that I can see that there might be something off with this person? They might be in crises. And, you know, before that training, we might say, maybe it's not a good idea for you to shoot today. You seem to be kind of distracted and we need your full attention here, but it empowers us to be able to say things like, tell me a little bit what's going on in your life. Do you want to talk about this? And then learning how to actively listen and then learning how to ask questions to help them to kind of ascertain what's going on, to learn how to persuade someone who may be in crises to get help and to refer them to appropriate resources. So it is a really great thing to add to your curricula if you are an instructor and it really helps with situational awareness on the range and it puts you in a more educated position to be able to actually help people. And so I'm that's a big thing coming up. I'm not quite sure yet of our lineup of shows that we'll be attending. We did just get back from SHOT Show just a few months ago. The big thing is in order for us as a nonprofit to be able to attend the shows, we rely on donations. So if people are interested in helping us to you know, put things on the calendar, we'd love to be able to go to like the USCCA Expo and, and the 
the NSSF range retailers show things like that. If you're interested in donating, then you can go to that link in our bio on our socials and help support Hold My Gun so we can do things like that. So we can continue to do that QPR training. And the other cool thing that you can find in that link there is a personal safety plan. And that puts gun owners in the driver's seat and not just along for the ride. And it helps gun owners to plan ahead. If I ever were in a time of crises, how would I want to be treated? Who are my resources that I want to reach out to, whether it's a battle buddy or it's a preferred medical or mental health professional? And what are their needs for firearm storage, whether it's giving it to a friend who can lawfully possess that firearm or taking it to hold my guns location. And there's also prompts in that personal safety plan where people can say, if I'm in crises, here are the things that really help me. I need to make sure that I have access to this medication, that I use these coping mechanisms to help me calm down and think clearly, and please understand these things about me. And so looking ahead to the future, I just want to continue to equip our community because it's not the whole my gun show. It's, it's about our community and empowering us to be leaders in this realm so that, you know, we don't have people from the outside telling us, you know, this is how you should be educated, or this is how you should handle a crisis. Like we want to make sure that people are equipped and empowered to have a liberty mindset and the resources to do it. So everything we do, you know, looking ahead to the future, it's going to have roots in those strong values and I, I just love it. We have fun wherever we go and it's just fun. People come up and give us hugs. <laughs> it's wonderful. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Can you just remind people once again, where they can find hold my guns online as well as social media? Yes. You can find us at our website, holdmyguns.org and on social media, it's holdmyguns.org. And that is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're also on LinkedIn and Telegram as well. Okay, perfect. All right. So Caldwell. If you guys are in need of some range gear, which who isn't, Caldwell has a lot of sales going on right now. There is an indoor range premium kit, and that includes the Emax power cords, orange peel bullseye targets, silhouette dual zone targets, the mag charger pistol loader, which I just actually recently saw and I got to get my hands on, shooting gloves and range glasses all for $154, which is over $75 off. Or there's the outdoor range premium kit that gets you a lead sled, AR Brass Catcher, the Emacs Shadow Earbuds, Mag Charger Loader, the Ultimate Target Stand, and Orange Peel Sight-In Targets, all for $374. And then there's a few other choices on there. Definitely check it out. It's caldwellshooting.com. But also don't forget that if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, that's all one word, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Politics. What is going on in the world? Today, it's political AF. Today in politics, did you have a chance to listen to Biden when he recently spoke in Monterey Park, California? Did you listen to his whole Not speech? the entirety of it. I, I have to say that like the amount of stigma and harm that these proposals from executive orders, banning firearms, increasing red flag laws. It 
actually pushes people away from wanting to get help. And so it just kind of makes my blood boil and I have to be careful about how much I watch, but I'm really interested to hear your perspective on it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so I personally didn't watch it. I always just catch the highlights later because it, it does but like it boils my blood I get frustrated and I'm just like yelling at the tv and I'm like okay simmer down let's get some chamomile tea and say woo a few times you know or woosha whatever it's called <laughs> but anyways and, for and cheer for the supreme court right like I I think I, it's a it's such a thing where I want to listen to every little thing and then I'm also like please let these checks and balances work because oh, they're in I know. place I know you know I like I I know Dick Heller, he actually supports Hold My Guns and like the hard work that he's done and, and people that have worked with him to help to preserve our rights. I just, I have that hope and trust that these things are, are eventually going to shake down some of these executive orders and state legislation that's coming through that's unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I approach listening to things like that is I advocate for the people who are standing in those trenches to preserve our liberty. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Which is not an easy job by any means. (laughs) Okay. So if you guys didn't get a chance to hear it, ultimately he basically said, I'm determined once again to ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines to go with his speech. He signed a slew of new executive orders. He wants to have universal background checks, no private sales, launch a public relations campaign to encourage more red flag law use He wants the Department of Transportation to work with shippers to cut down on stolen firearms and speed up reports of missing new shipments, crack down on federal firearms licensees, which ATF, their revocation of FFLs is up about 500%. So like any like small clerical error and they're taking away FFLs and ultimately, you know, that limits the amount of gun stores. So they're kind of coming at us from all angles. He will also use the Department of Defense acquisition of firearms to attack the gun industry. It isn't clear what he means, but this could mean putting stipulations in the government contracts with firearm companies to prevent the sale of certain firearms to the public. He is also ordering the Federal Trade Commission to investigate military imagery used in the advertisement of guns. He's ordering all law enforcement agencies to issue rigorous requirements in the submission of fired casings to the National Integrated Ballistics Information Network, which no details about the requirements are disclosed, though. Ordering the acceleration of the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which I've previously discussed the overreach and wasteful spending contained in that. He wants to see new FEMA-level responses for victims of crimes involving guns. And the latest thing announced is a push to update the Undetectable Firearms Act of 1988, which the Undetectable Firearms Act passed like after Die Hard 2 when John McClane, if you've watched that movie, he falsely said that Glocks were not detectable by metal detectors, which is so dumb. It is. It wasn't true then. It isn't true now. But he still passed a law in which it is set to expire this year. And Biden said, because of the new polymers, the law needs to be updated. What that really means is he just wants to ban 3D printing. Ultimately, the majority of these actions, they won't prevent gun crimes, but instead, you know, essentially infringe on rights of law abiding citizens, which is what gun laws have been doing. And mm-hmm. even later today, I'm actually testifying again in Colorado for another proposed bill. And 
it's so frustrating and I, it does feel like it falls on deaf ears at times, but I still feel like I'm doing my part, but it's like, you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, so even the crimes, like people that carry out these mass shootings, I'm like, yeah, guess what? If the laws that you already have in place, like actually worked, like then most of these wouldn't even happen, but instead they just continue to make new laws, even though the old laws aren't even working. And it's so frustrating. Ultimately, at the end of the day, this is not the issue that they're focused on. Like guns aren't the issue. It's not the problem. And they're just hurting law abiding citizens. And it's extremely frustrating. And it's the stuff that keeps me up at night. And I wish it didn't. <laughs> it's frustrating because it's not actually solving the real problems. And mm -hmm. a lot of the uh, criminal justice system just creates this revolving door with criminals that, you know, they come in and, and in some states they, you know, like if like drug related crime or, you know, murders, some, there are some states that allow like, well, it's like, if it's a murder in this scenario, we're not going to prosecute it as much. Like, I'm like, what? Like somebody died, you know? So there's just a lot of really weird politics coming in that are, that undermine justice that put criminals back on the street and create more risk for all of us. And so to just again, criminalize people who are following the law, the responsible people. And I, I really, if I, I get a little prickly about the term law abiding because the laws change all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, one day you are, everything's fine and, and you might've purchased an item that's lawful. And then the next day, all of a sudden you find yeah. yourself as a felon, you that's know? So, so true. Like what's happening right now with the braces. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't really like you know, uh, which yeah, shout out to SB Tactical and Alex Bosco, right? Yeah. And by the way, he was one of Alex was one of our founding contributors to Hold My Guns, and we love him and appreciate him, and we wouldn't be here without him. So oh, wow, that's um, nice we, to hear. We cheer for him. Yes. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, I love him. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. He really is. And and so I, I, I get a little bit prickly about that term law abiding citizen because I feel like it's kind of twisted to mean like you will comply. And the reality is, is that these laws that are being proposed are not constitutional. And so we do need to fight them, even if it means that, you know, for a moment there, <laughs> we might not be following them 100%. And of course, always go into that situation with your eyes open and making informed decisions. And I think it's important to support those who are in the trenches, like Alex and and polymer 80 is another one polymer 80 by the way donated a firearm for our our raffle at shot show that's another a company that we really love and so you know when when they are kind of being a lightning rod for some of this legislation like you're talking about a moment ago it's so important that we rally behind them and not just have an attitude of apathy mm -hmm. and Absolutely. um and i think you know kind of like in the same vein where we get frustrated with people who take a legislative approach, I get really frustrated with our own community sometimes because they get so like wrapped up in just the rabble rabble and, and like, you know, this is bad. And they're not actually out there testifying, which by the way, I'm really proud of you that you're doing that again. You know, that they're not actually out there in the trenches doing things. They'd rather make social media posts. Mm -hmm. I know. Than really get involved. No, and I, I absolutely agree. And it's so frustrating. So it's like, they're just doing the same thing, but just, you know, on the other side of the coin. So seriously, if you care about your rights and as much as, as people like to bloviate, 
get involved, Mm -hmm. you know, and part of that getting involved is supporting efforts like hold my guns that are actually supporting gun owners and not relying on the government intervention, but actually building the infrastructure so that if someone is in crises that they are not, you know, it's part of kind of like being ungovernable, right? Like if you have a solution that works that you can temporarily take your firearm out of your home because your wife has postpartum depression, or maybe you're struggling with PTSD or whatever's going on in your home, right? If you have a solution and you can avoid outside intervention and you keep that, you know, you have those uh, protections, personal protections in place to exercise responsibility. I mean, there can be a million laws out there and it doesn't even affect you because you're being ungovernable. You have a solution that's working and that's what we're facilitating. And so that's why it's so important to look for those who have a solution mindset in our community and, and support it because Mm -hmm. it undermines a lot of this legislation and it does a lot more than just simply saying shall not be infringed, which Mm -hmm. is important, but it is meaningless if people aren't willing to back it up. Yeah, absolutely. I can't help but think before I had you come on the show, I was like looking at, you know, your guys' social media and stuff. And I'm like, man, you are kind of like anti-gunners, like worst nightmare because they think (laughs) that we don't care about people's lives. We just care about, you know, we're selfish and we just want our guns. And ultimately, like we do, like gun owners are some of the nicest people that I know. But the fact that you're like out there and you're like, okay, yeah, like suicide deaths are, you know, larger than murders. So obviously there is a mental health crisis right now. And what are we going to do about it? And that's what I like is like you guys are actually like actively coming up with solutions as opposed to lawmakers who know that these issues, you know, exist but they're getting pushed in every different direction to pass just more stupid laws that do nothing to help the situation. Yes, I, uh, we are their worst nightmare. That. Yeah. Be- and, and and I'm not saying that lightly, Ava, because the thing is that a lot of these uh, like Soros funded organizations out there, like every town and moms demand action. And, and, and there are many, I mean, there's many little nuanced branches like, Oh, we're a 501 C3 of this bigger organization. And it's like, it's really mess. But they have a machine. They come in. They 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 have a system. They mm-hmm. come into like city council. So they they stalk when there's like someone has when there's a shooting in a community, and they kind of like swoop in. They're like, "Oh, we're really sad," which it's a sad thing. Please don't hear yeah. anything else. I am heartbroken. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. But they say, you know, oh, therefore the solution is the is we have to stop this from happening. We want to take away firearms, and that's gun safety. By the way, if we mm-hmm. can take away these terrible things, that's gun safety. If we can create laws that would protect children, child access protection laws, then we would really save the children. Meanwhile, like you know, like DC versus Heller, right? Where it's like, no, we have a right to have access to our firearms so that we can defend ourselves. And there's a big difference between a legislative approach and encouraging people towards personal responsibility for the scenario that works for them. Like, you know, I have teenagers in my home who've all grown up around firearms, but, you know, I'm still careful about where my firearms are. And especially if we have people in the home, like that is something that our community needs to take leadership on and say, here are some best practices and by the way, you know, like if, if you're living by yourself and there are no small children in your home and you have your firearm like very accessible at night, like that's that's up to you because you're constitutionally allowed to do that. That's mm-hmm. your protected right. So but these these groups, they swoop in and then they give a legislative 
approach and it sounds very winsome to a hurting community. They exploit that hurting community to push a legislative agenda. And what we need to do and what we are, we understand it, oh my guns, but I wish the rest of the community would understand is that unless we have a solution, you think about that, the very small city council level or the school board level, like, because again, these groups have programs for children and they swoop in and they're like, oh, we want to help. Unless we can provide a solution at that level, the machine of the gun control groups are that they start there and then it becomes, you know, this is our city policy. This is our school policy. This is our county policy, you know, and it just goes on and on. Now it's state level. Now it's, you know, our, our govern, governor is recommending this to other governors. So it's so important that we are in those same trenches and that our solution and our infrastructure is solid it's based in in our you know founding documents like the constitution and we need to be bold about that and say we care about people and we also want to preserve rights because mm -hmm. there are 1.6 million defensive gun uses each year according to the 2021 national firearms survey that Georgetown University put out and so we have to remind people like us Americans we want to be able to defend ourselves and so they're you can't create a scenario that is unconstitutional where we can't defend ourselves, but also save the children at the same time if the solution is only legislative that's, that's eroding our rights. Mm -hmm. And you made a really great point, and that is that there are more suicides than murders. And so I believe that as a community, if we can create the infrastructure and the support that we are doing through Hold My Guns, that it actually undermines like the majority of the reason why gun control groups, although they will come up with any reason, this is not to say if we solve this, they'll go away. They will yeah, not. Exactly. Um, but it does shut them up. And mm -hmm. we have seen that in city meetings where I've sat in and I've said like, this is our, here's our storage partner. This is what they're doing. And guess what? The uh, gun control groups don't have an answer for that. So I want to continue to elevate that and encourage listeners by getting involved with our mission. You are taking away and off, taking away the reasons and you're giving a better solution to lawmakers who don't know anything about firearms or laws and that they're very easily hoodwinked by this, you know, glossy approach that these very well-funded gun control groups are presenting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well said. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is somebody emailed me and they said, longtime listener, first time caller, although I guess writer, I've been looking into getting a suppressor or two. Can you help me understand the benefits of an NFA trust and how to go about starting one? I appreciate any info. Basically, the difference is that an individual form isn't transferable. If something happens to you, the ATF takes your suppressor. Also, only you are authorized to possess and transport it. A trust, though, lets you name beneficiaries. You can also have trustees who are authorized to possess and transport your NFA items. A trust is actually like really easy to get and it's not really expensive. Like I had a lawyer here who was doing them for like a hundred bucks a trust. I think also a silencer shop and silencer central, they both sell trust. I think there is a few for it. Silencer Central, I think it comes with your suppressor purchase. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that that's the case. But it's definitely the way to go. And, you know, obviously the last thing you want is, 
you know, by the time everything's all said and done, you buy the suppressor, you're looking at at least a thousand dollars. So, you know, I would hate for anybody to lose that. Or, you know, if somebody, let's say my dad passed away and he has all these suppressors in his name, it would kind of suck not to get them, you know? So I would say definitely mm -hmm. create a trust, especially if you have people that you want to pass it down to. Mm -hmm. Regarding suppressors, we, um, I have to shout out to Silencer Co. They did a phenomenal video on my co-founder Genevieve Jones on mental health and firearms. And, um, that's, if, if you look at, they like have series on, on different people in our firearms community. Hers is called the advocate. So check that video out. And we love dead air silencers. They were really helpful with getting us on the map at, at shot show and introduced us to WWE's Natalie Eva Marie. And we also love KGM technologies. They donated a $500 uh, gift card. Actually, no, theirs was the 50% off and the item gift card at uh, shot show for our raffle as well. And I love your point about trust. And that's actually something that comes into play with whole my guns because if a person has their firearms or their NFA items in a trust, what it does is it empowers the people who are on that trust to be able to make decisions about that particular item. And so let's say someone who is a gun owner got into a car accident and the spouse wanted to temporarily store the firearms off site at a hold my guns location if they're listed on the trust even if they weren't the original purchaser of the firearm which comes into play we can work with the gun owners but if they're part of a trust then they are that lawful owner and they can make decisions about that firearm and they can say we have to go to you know this hospital in the next state over in order to get care. And we want to make sure our firearms are secured in the meantime. And so I'm going to do that while my spouse is in the hospital because I'm on this trust. So it is a really great way that people can transfer their firearms lawfully to other members of the trust and avoid scenarios where, you know, giving a firearm or other item to um, someone who's not part of that trust can land you in a lot of trouble. So that is another thing to consider when you're planning for ever potentially being in a crisis is who can lawfully handle these items on my behalf and trust really solves a lot of that. I wish more people knew about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's actually, you bring up a lot of great points. IWI. If you're looking for a good AR right now, definitely check out the Zion 15. It's the first M4 variant from IWI and it's made right here in the US. The rifle version has a 16 inch 4150 chrome molly barrel chambered in 5.56 NATO with a mid length gas system. They come equipped with a 15 inch free flow M lock handguard for attaching all your favorite accessories. The grip and stock are from B5 Systems, known for being rugged, lightweight, and comfortable. And if you want to check this out, head on over to IWI.us. But don't forget that if you find anything in their web store, which they have a lot of cool stuff, a lot of accessories. Definitely check it out and don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word. That's getting you 15% off your entire order. So mm -hmm. can't beat it. I especially love their Tavors. Um, the first time I shot one was at the diversity shoot at the Heritage Guild. And uh, one of Tony Simon's friends had brought it. And it it's just the coolest, coolest firearm. Right. Um, I, so, 
Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm actually, so I'm getting ready to review the SBR tour that I have. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm going to be traveling all next week, but when I get back, I'm going to record the video, but I've shot enough now where I'm like, okay, I can give like a pretty good review of it. And I got to say, it's just so much fun. The only downfall is if you have the SBR, because the barrel is a lot shorter, I think it's 13 inches. If you are standing next to me while I'm shooting it, like it, <laughs> you can feel it. You can feel and, it. <laughs> yeah. And the ejection of uh, the ejection port, like when it's extracting casings, oh man, is that thing strong? Like it is. All of my camera guys have all been hit with like hot casings like, from that gun. <laughs> yes. It's like, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, give me the space. But no, it's really cool. And, I love that design and it's just really amazing because there's like, it absorbs so much recoil. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's it just does. really, really fun to shoot. Yeah, it's, su- it's a surprise. Like the first time I shot it, it was just like, whoa, this is unexpected. You know, I, yeah. I was kind of like bracing myself and yeah, it it's just so much fun. So if you ever have a chance to to shoot the, an IWI Tavor, so, so cool. So fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm still waiting for the Carmel to come out but I should be getting my hands on that pretty soon. So can't wait for that either. I can't wait. I, I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. It's such a cool looking gun. I'm just like, Oh, I just want to shoot it. Like, you know, you just get excited. You look at guns and you're like, man, I want to shoot that thing. And that's yes. how I feel about this. So, all right. So Tacti talk. Tacti talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it. Hate it. Find out now. Vortex introduces the Defender, and I did recently just see this pop up all over social media. A lot of my friends, they had it on their gun, and it caught my eye. I guess I didn't really look at it too much, but it definitely, you know, it looks a little bit different. It's essentially, it's called the Defender, and it's a red dot for concealed carry guns. It's designed as a sturdy option for the growing line of micro pistols. It uses the common shield RMS footprint like most micros and also includes a Picatinny mount. It uses a CR1632 battery, which you can change without unmounting the optic, which is a huge plus. It has large buttons on both sides so that you could adjust the brightness. You can get it in either 3MOA or 6MOA dot version, and it comes with tons of different screws for mounting on a bunch of different pistols. The front of the dot has a checkered face to rack it. And I think that's what I was noticing was the checkered face that I was like, oh, I haven't seen that before. And I was noticing on everyone's posts, but essentially you can rack it on any surface and it's designed for abuse. So the glass is recessed to prevent scratching. The window on it is a little bigger than most micro red dots as well. The battery life, though, is said to be only around 9,500 hours And it doesn't say on what brightness setting, but I'm just going to assume that it's probably like mid-range setting. But 9,500 hours isn't really a lot. I mean, if you think about the Holosun 507K, for example, it has 50,000 hours of battery life. And it does have auto shutoff. You can enable, which will help with battery life. That's really important, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Auto shutoff. Yeah, so... (laughs) That's yeah. So I like auto shut off because I can't tell you how many times like I've been shooting. I'm just exhausted by the end of the day. And I always forget to shut off my red dots. Same with my freaking ear pro. Although Mm -hmm. I've gotten better with it because I switched over to ISO tunes and theirs is an auto shut off. So now I'm just like, okay, you make the mistake like three times and you're like, you kind of learn your lesson. (laughs) But there's nothing worse than getting to the range. Your ear pro is not working. Your red dots not working. And you hope that the range sells batteries. 
<laughs> it's a hot mess right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> I know, which is literally... You do it once. It's like right. my middle name lately. <laughs> but so there's been a few drawbacks. A lot of people have been reporting that the refresh rate on the dot itself isn't fast enough. You don't notice it when stationary, but when moving between targets or shooting, the dot disappears to flicker in a jerky motion as you move. The flickering or strobing only goes away at the maximum brightness setting, which is definitely going to affect your battery life. And then you also get a pretty big reflection around the dot on the glass when you run it brighter too. The dot also doesn't go all the way to the bottom of the window. It's blocked before you get to the bottom. So hopefully Vortex does some things to address this, uh, especially the dot performance. But otherwise, you know, I'd say if they fix this, it looks like a pretty good carry dot option. And then MSRP on it is $349, which is pretty good, especially for Vortex. You know, a lot of these, I, I love to see like all these optic prices coming down. Because even when I started in the industry 10 years ago, I mean, even five years ago, for anything decent, you had to pay like, it seemed like 400 plus, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Healthy competition, which is great for, you know, improving products. And there's, there's you know, when you only are the uh, only person offering something, there's not a lot of incentive to want to improve. But I just, I love our community and, and that they're always looking to improve and keeping the shooter in mind. and. Yeah, no, I agree. Like they used to be more expensive, but now they're just more commonplace. And it's exciting to see what, how that is improving and bringing even better products to production. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. Franklin Armory. If you guys didn't know, they do have a binary trigger for Glock. It hasn't launched yet, and I just keep like cross like I'm hoping that you know I mean NRA show is coming up. I'm like, all right, are they going to launch it now? Because it's been in production I think since 2022. I know they had to make you know a few like they had to modify it a little bit, but the updated G-S173 slide it includes a mode indicator on the rear plate of the slide so that you don't have to turn it to see the selector on the slide. The slide is also optic cut with an MOS profile and like all of the other binary triggers, you can cancel the second shot by flipping it off the binary before releasing the trigger. They're not available yet, but I'm really hoping that it becomes available pretty soon. It also says that if you want to sign up for their newsletter and you'll be the first one to know when it's available. But in the meantime, if you want to check that out, I believe it's on their website and that website is franklinarmory.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, and that's going to get you 10% off any of the other triggers that you want to purchase. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Today's AF segment, BOA tracking firearm sales. I've talked before about the MCC codes being introduced for credit card companies to track firearm sales, which there's some good news on that subject. Both Visa and MasterCard have recently announced they're not proceeding with using those codes thanks to a lot of the heat that they were receiving for that. See, like I said, there's power in numbers and, you know, voicing your opinion. However, something much more troubling came out this week from a whistleblower testifying before the House Select Subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. George Hill, a retired FBI National Security Intelligence Supervisor, testified that Bank of America gave the FBI data on all of their customers 
who happened to purchase anything in or around Washington, D.C. from January 5th through the 7th in 2021. You'd expect this came from a court order requiring the information, but Bank of America on their own data mined their own customers' data and voluntarily gave it to the FBI. It went far further than that, though. He testified that Bank of America further data mined and elevated from the list customers who had purchased a firearm for investigation. They put no geographic or time limit on when the purchase could have happened. If you happen to be anywhere near D.C. and purchased a firearm way back in 1999 in California, they flagged you for investigation. This tells us that BOA has been tracking firearm sales for a long time. Most likely, they have no visibility of any purchases, so... This probably means a purchase at any store that has firearms or sporting goods is flagged by their system. More troubling, the D.C. field office that oversaw the January 6th investigation distributed this list across the country to field offices with the directive to investigate the flagged individuals. Hill testified that his supervisor in the Boston field office refused to open an investigation on the flagged individuals because there was no president and no crime committed by using a card in the D.C. area or for purchasing a firearm. The D.C. office pushed back on them to investigate anyway, but the agent in charge refused. He did add, though, he did not know if the D.C. field office took it upon themselves to open cases. What about the other 54 local FBI field offices, though? It's highly likely that a good portion of them may have opened these unprecedented investigations. So far, Bank of America has refused to comment on the subject, but this really isn't anything. I mean, I don't know. This isn't the first time that Bank of America has shown anti-gun bias, though. So if you're using them, you might want to find a different bank, which I have to say, I don't know if you're aware of like the banking crisis that's going on right now. The media and stuff has been pretty quiet about it, and I think it's because they don't want people to freak out. But if you kind of research it, like Bank Crisis 2023, you're going to see that there's a lot of banks right now that are going under. And a lot of people, I even just did this just the other day, which is probably causing, you know, adding to the problem. But it does, I do want to have some cash on hand. But I went to my bank the other day and I was just like, hey, I want to take out a few thousand dollars. And they were like, oh, we can give you like a thousand. We can't give mm-hmm. you, you know, and and they're like, what do you need it for? And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, I'm trying to take out my money <laughs> and I have to tell you what I'm using <laughs> yeah. it for. Right. It's very and- scary. And it's scary how politically involved a lot of these banks are. And, you know, I just even thinking about like BOA, like they <laughs> like in thinking about this crisis that's going on right now, it incentivizes banks to just roll over and be compliant and spy on Americans. Because if there are, if there's a situation where a government bailout could happen, I know I sound like cons- a conspiracy. No, theory. you don't. Just you're literally, I am. I'm like, you're literally saying everything <laughs> that I was thinking this morning at 4am when I was reading the news. Cause I've just been following yeah. this, you know, to see what happens. It makes sense why they would do this is because they're, they're hopeful that if they just, you know, kiss enough gubbies that they're going to, they're going to be protected. And the reality is, is that the government is not here to, (laughs) to save us. We're actually, they actually are, you know, they're there to, I mean, they, they, there is some help that the government can do, but we don't, we're not relying on them for our personal safety, for our finances. I mean, they, 
think about like, we're all of even think about finance, like finances where taxes go doing things that we don't want it to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff is interconnected. And, and I think people just is like, this is a conspiracy because they don't want to think about it. But like, yeah. think about how many, it hurts our brains to think about it. But that's why, again, it's so important to be involved and know, you know, where you're, where you are storing your money, which banks you're choosing, which credit card companies you're choosing, the places where you go asking, you have a right to ask, like, yeah. how are you using my data? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you selling it to other parties? And, you know, like, uh, oh my goodness, like people like, like swab their cheeks and send in their DNA. It's like, right. Are you thinking about what's happening? Yeah, with that? You know? I know. I think about um, that too. Cause I'm like, yeah, sure. I'd like to know who my ancestors are, but I'm really not about right. to just send my DNA to just some random, you know, like even yeah. that, I mean, I get a little weird about that. And that's maybe more on the conspiracy, you know, theory line. But like when it comes to stuff like this, like ultimately the government, what they want you to do is rely on them. And they do. So- and, and when you understand that, right, then it, I, I just encourage people like don't do not grow weary in doing good here. Like mm-hmm. you have to continue to fight. It's a pain in the ass, but you have to do it. Yeah. And it's your duty to do it. And you have no business saying like, shall not be infringed if you're just standing there in your quiet little corner like there's there are implications that you need to be fighting this and you need to like but we are seeing some progress with the the mcc codes and and there are banks that have backed away from that and so don't grow tired of this this is we're in a, a time right now where people are afraid to put their necks out but it's kind of by design because mm-hmm. americans are or, you know we're coming off the pandemic many people have lost their jobs many people are going through difficult things financially. We've got inflation. That's crazy. It's, you know, pack of eggs is seven bucks. Get Mm -hmm. chickens, by the way, we have chickens, but you know, we're do not get discouraged. This is actually a time where we can rise as leaders and show a solution that practices self-governance. And we need to be more united and connected to do that and take very seriously these banking things. But like you were saying, you know, make sure you have some cash on hand, make sure that, you know, now is a good time to reorganize your finances yes. and make sure that as things are moving forward, that you have a little bit more control and that you demand that the consumer has more control. We actually have a lot more power than what the media and banks and, and all these other entities out there want you to believe. And mm-hmm. that is by design. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it was kind of funny because when they asked me, they were like, oh, so what are you using it for? Like, are you buying anything fun? I was like, no, I was like, I'm just weary of everything going on. And I want cash on hand. And she whispers, she's like, you know, it is FDIC, you know, like insured or whatever. Insured. And I was like, I know, I just don't trust the government. <laughs> and the lady didn't even, she couldn't say anything. She just like, like she almost understood where I was coming from. But a little bit of advice. So that I was given is people were saying, take your money out of these smaller banks, putting it in the bigger banks like Bank of America and Chase. Both of those banks, by the way, are extremely anti-gun. Chase, I used when I first started selling guns, they dropped me because they found out I sold guns and it was against their guidelines. I wouldn't recommend Bank of America or Chase if anything. And again, I'm not like the, you know, the most like financial savviest person out there. But I do talk to a lot of people and, you know, get opinions and stuff from people that specialize in this. And so ultimately what I'm doing is I used to have some money in a uh, checking account that had a really high APY and it continued to go up, which should raise a red flag. Like, why are all these banks, you know, giving you a really high interest rate when the APY just continues to climb? 
they want you to keep that money in there because if you want it back, they don't have it to give back to you because they've already invested it. But I took out majority of that and I'm just putting it towards my house. You know, typically I wasn't looking to like pay off my house anytime soon and I'm not by any means paying it off, but I'm putting a huge chunk of that towards my house because that's just, so if you guys have any debt, pay off your debt, like put it towards stuff like that and take out some cash. Mm -hmm. I always get weary about having cash on hand because I'm thinking like, what if my house catches on fire? Even if you have a safe, like a gun safe or something, I would recommend also go on Amazon. There are bags that you can buy and they last up to, I think it's 4,200 degrees or something. Put the cash in those bags Put it in your safe or if you don't feel comfortable even in your safe, I mean, put it, you know, in your house where if somebody broke in, they absolutely wouldn't find it. But there's definitely a lot of things that we can do to protect ourselves and make sure that, you know, we're being financially smart and we're prepared to deal with this, just like with anything else, you know. Exactly. And I love that you're giving practical tips. It's so easy to get caught up in the fear and rage that that the media is fostering, but and to the point we're incapacitated. And it's so important to remind people like, look, with a little bit of effort here, you can put your cash in a bag that mm -hmm. will withstand a fire. So do it now before it's too late and you don't have access to purchasing that, right? And so it, again, this is what it means to practice self-governance and responsibility. It is a high calling not to be lazy and to wait for the government to do things for us. And we need to take that seriously. And I love that you're encouraging listeners to do that. To, now is the time to take stock of what would be my needs if things were to be crashing and how would I be able to pay for things and what products do I need in order to facilitate my self-governance? Absolutely. That's where we need to be investing our income and our time. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And if anybody's interested, so Amazon, just search fireproof document bag and just make sure that it is rated at 4,200 degrees Fahrenheit. But that would be definitely the way to go. I don't even think a lot of safes are rated as high as that. So it would definitely be safe. Because that's always my biggest fear is like, well, my house catches on fire and then, you know, you lose that money. But all right. So time to wrap up. So iTunes reviews, I'm not getting any iTunes reviews and I don't know what's going on. It's been a few weeks. I actually just asked my editor. I was like, well, maybe there's something wrong with iTunes where it's not connecting to the website and it's not showing up. But, you know, I know people are listening because I get like messages from you guys all the time. So if you haven't left a review, I would greatly appreciate it. It just kind of helps to put the podcast on the map. And then also you, you know, enter to win a cool prize pack. And then it is time to wrap up. So search for me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything, YouTube channel, social media. You can listen to the show directly on there or, you know, it shows you where the podcast is located. If you enjoy the show and you want to give back, consider becoming a Patreon. You can do so by going to gunfunny.com, clicking the support the show link, or you could even just go to patreon.com and uh, forward slash gunfunny. So whatever you prefer. Also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for all your hard work. I really appreciate it. Thanks for, you know, it's really nice to talk to somebody who's very like-minded 
It's like really refreshing. Likewise. (laughs) I mean, not to say that I don't every podcast, but it's just nice to know that there's people like you out there just, you know, just doing such a great job and like really just helping other people, but also helping, you know, us legally and like with laws, you know, trying to get passed and stuff like that. So your efforts are definitely appreciated. Can you just remind people once again, what your website and social media is? Yes. And, and Ava, I totally agree. I really enjoyed the conversation today and I love your audience and everything that you're bringing to our community. So thank you for being you. I I appreciate you as well. And I want to just encourage listeners to check out holdmyguns.org, get involved. Um, if, and our social media is holdmyguns.org. And if you click on our link tree in the bio on our social media, there are many different ways to get involved. Anything from financially supporting our work, which we need in order to continue. We need to raise about 200000 in the next few months so that we can continue to do this. We can continue to build the infrastructure to make this possible. Uh, if you go to that link and you check out the sponsor prospectus, there's some really great packages in there that include QPR training for your organization. So check that out. And I also want to encourage people to check out Red Balloon. They are a awesome liberty-based company that connects employers to seeking job seekers who are looking for jobs that are not woke, that actually uphold the constitution and our values. And if you use the uh, discount code, code hold my guns, you get 10% off as an employer for that package. So if you get a yearly package of, I think it's like $5,000, then you get a deep discount, 10% off of that. So it's there's that opportunity there. And I also want to give a shout out to Retention Ring. It's a really cool product that you can use to connect your to your gear. Uh, and it's it's really innovative that like, for example, if you have a palm pepper spray unit, you can put that ring on there and it makes it easy easier to hold and not lose in your pocket, for example. So every for every um sale of the retention ring in acid purple, they donate a dollar to hold my guns. So those are some other really cool ways to get involved. And uh, again, we're just really grateful for the community and the uh, support. And we want to continue to equip and empower our firearms community. Is the uh, retention ring, is it retentionring.com? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I think you're and again, right. Again, it's yeah, the acid I just, purple. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because I just, I just Googled it and then all these other like Amazon pops up and, you know, all this other stuff. So I just wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page, but yeah, retentionring.com. All right. Awesome. And then also I just want to add that, you know, if anyone out there is thinking about suicide, please, you know, reach out to people. I think you'd be surprised by how many people care. And it is, I mean, I know quite a few people that have done it and it's such a horrible thing. And I hate to think that anybody's in that place. And it's one of those things where I think people, they let their emotions get the best of them at that moment. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I think ultimately, you know, everyone, anyone who's ever been suicidal, I think everyone that you talk to is going to look back and be like, yeah, I'm so glad that I didn't just something to keep in Mm -hmm. mind. And like I said, do not hesitate reaching out for help. Even if you guys want to reach out to me, I'm always available on social media and stuff like that. But there's definitely a lot of people out there that care. And that is the last thing that they want to see you guys do. Thank you for saying that, Ava. And I just want to add same thing that anyone can reach out to myself or members of our team that we genuinely care. And I, I think that 
people have a misconception about suicidal ideation that it's just like people who are, you know, just despondent and they're looking out the window and they're really gloomy. And mm-hmm. like you see these, these commercials and it's not, the reality, though. it's not the reality is that it could be the happiest me- person in the world. It could can, be somebody that you would never think of, you know, that yes. is dealing with that. I agree. And, and so I think we do a disservice when we just keep our heads in the sand and we don't realize like it could be any of us, any of us have a, the potential, like, let's say something happens where a loved one's in a car accident and they don't make it. And now we suddenly don't have the thing that motivates us to wake up every day or people, something we see a lot is people who lose their jobs or they're uh, underemployed and they can't financially, you know, help cover the expenses of their family anymore, especially with like inflation prices and things like that. And so people who are good men and women who want to be responsible and they want to provide, they feel like I'm so overwhelmed right now, which by the way, is why we reached out to Red Balloon and we started encouraging them because they were actually providing a solution that helped liberty-minded folks find employment. And it's a solution that reduces that suicide risk. But these are very, it's just a perfect storm of very, normal, but uncomfortable things that happen that build up, you know, grief, loss, job situations, relationship situations. And so the goal is as a community, not to be judgmental, but say, you know what, if this ever happened to me, I'd probably feel pretty awful too. So how can we come alongside and help people without judgment, without stigma, let's connect you to resources. And, you know, we carry firearms because they're lethal. And that's why we have to as people in this community, we need to look out for others who may be in suicide crisis, knowing that if they have access to a firearm, that they're, they, if they choose to attempt with a firearm, that they are most likely not going to make it. And that's why it is urgent that we do speak up compassionately and in a way that gives people options like hold my guns in a way that says it's okay if you temporarily have space between you and, and lethal means get some palm pepper spray. You know, that's a great way to kind of balance that risk and readiness, have other options. But we we are the people who are qualified to talk about that because firearms are our lane. So I love that you're ending the show, Ava, with that compassionate, just, you know, letting that compa- that compassionate message to our community that we value you and we care. We're here for you don't believe the lies out there that people don't care. It's not true. We genuinely do. And the biggest hurdle to overcome is just picking up the phone and saying, I need help. And there is no shame in that. That is the attitude of someone who wants to be victorious and not a victim. And and that has the highest amount of respect in my book. Yeah. Agree. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.